0: Now batting for the Cubs Corner, the host, Anthony Pasquale.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to the Cubs Corner. I'm your host, Anthony Pasquale, and on this edition we have a very special guest, in my opinion, the king of sports media in our great city, David Kaplan. Thanks for coming on the show, Cap.
0: Anthony, it's an honor to be on your show again, man. I appreciate you
1: having me. Absolutely. It's been kind of ugly for the Cubs as of late, but I'm going to start with a much more positive story. Yesterday against the best team in baseball on Memorial Day, packed house, the Rays come to town, and uh, Marcus Stroman shoves. Complete game shutout, only one hit allowed, I think one walk as well. Um, He was great. He was uh, the stopper that you want your ace to be after a little bit of a losing streak. You can't say enough about him, but that was fun to watch, wasn't it?
0: He was outstanding. I was in Wisconsin with my family, and I had the game on uh, up at our house up there. And my wife said, you ready to go? You want to head back? I'm like, hang on a second. This guy is just dealing. He had a no-hitter going at that moment. Perfect game. And then gave up the bloop single to Wander Franco, and then the walk. And I'm thinking, all right, here we go. It's one to nothing. Now they're going to scratch out two runs and lose two to one. But – he got an out, and then Dansby Swanson turned the double play. Inning over, and they never threatened again. So it was a lot of fun to watch.
1: Absolutely, and you get kind of toward that eighth, ninth inning. I think his last start through the eighth, he was at eighty-eight pitches, and they decided to keep him um, out or keep him on the bench for the ninth inning. I think they brought in Mark Leiter to finish it off last week, and and this time around, especially with the way the bullpen was going, in my head, I was like a one-run lead. The only way you're winning this game right now is if Marcus Strowman goes back out there, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, Leiter's throwing the ball, I think, really well. Michael Fulmer, not so much, especially against left-handed hitters. Uh, so when Leiter was throwing the ball away, he's been throwing it, you think, what's the pitch count at? But when you've got a one-hitter and it's a one nothing game, it's not like a 4 nothing game. It's a one nothing game and Strowman says to you i'm good you owe it to him you've got especially the way the team's been playing at that moment they were the worst team in the national league which is a joke i mean that should never happen in this market with the payroll revenues that they have come on now so when he said i'm good i'm ready to roll they owed it to him and they put him back out there and he was able to finish the deal off
1: yeah, it was, it was great to watch, and, and you kind of said what I was going to go to next. Before yesterday's game, last place in the entire National League, not just the, the bad NL Central, the whole league, it, it's been embarrassing, to say the least. And, you know, you get a bobblehead day to honor one of your great players in the past, Billy Williams, and you've got the wrong number on his jersey. Everything that could have been going wrong has been going wrong, and it's just been embarrassing, a top-market team um, that – everybody knows should be spending a lot more on the on-field product. They finally did more than the last couple of years, and it just hasn't portrayed onto the field. Why do you think that is?
0: You know, when you construct a bad bullpen, and Jed has you know taken a hit for that, and rightly so. He's the president of the baseball side of the team. When you construct a bad bullpen, it can make everything else about your team look awful because there's nothing more deflating, Anthony, Then playing solid baseball, doing a good job defensively, string together three or four runs, and then your bullpen comes in and gives it up and you lose. And you're like, you got to be kidding me. It's going to happen in a long season. But night after night after night after night to be over a 30-game span, the worst team in the National League, and then to wake up on, what was it, the uh, 28th of May, and you're – Get the worst record, and you started eleven and six, and we're all thinking after they took two of three and should have swept the Dodgers in LA. I'm singing, I love LA on radio. They go, <laughs> we're going to the playoffs, baby, and then you're this, but you're only four and a half games back because you're in a bad division, so you have a chance.
1: Yeah, there is there is a little bit of a silver lining there, and you mentioned the bullpen. It's been certainly the story, at least the the bad half of the story for a while now. Um, let's just say you're David Ross here. You get six shutout um, from a starter, but the pitch counts up, and you need to take him out. You're only up one or two runs. How would you handle the 7th, 8th, and ninth with a fully-rested bullpen?
0: Fully-rested bullpen? Do I have Cody Hoyer up yet or no?
1: No Cody Hoyer. Brad Boxberger is healthy.
0: Wow. Um, I would probably use Boxberger as my closer. I cannot trust Michael Fulmer at this point in time in any high leverage situation. And that means tie ball game in the sixth, one run game in the seventh, none of them. Mm-hmm. I got to have like a 4 run lead and he's got to earn his way back into my good graces. And that's going to take more than one or two appearances. So that's not right around the corner. Brandon Hughes is my obviously my one lefty. I just feel like if I was Jed, look, I'm not trading Pete Crowe, Armstrong, or I'm not trading Kevin Alcantara. I'm not giving away my best prospects unless I know I'm trying to win a World Series. But you got to go out and acquire somebody for your bullpen. There, there has got to be a deal that can be made, whether it's with Oakland or Kansas City or whoever it is, that you can get a arm that upgrades the pen that you currently have. Or there's got to be someone at Iowa that. He's chomping at the bit to ride on luxury jets and stay at the Ritz because what they're running out there right now, look, everybody wants to fire on David Ross. And there are times I look at his lineup construction and go, you're leading off Miles Boney? What? <laughs> I get it. I get everyone's angst about that. But when he hands the ball to Fulmer or whoever it is and they give it up, unless he continually ignores what they're doing and keeps doing it. It's not the manager's fault when he brings in. He looks down there and he goes, alright, who I got? Alright, I got that guy. Get him up. And then he gives it up. That's on the pitcher. Or the GM for putting you in that position.
1: I agree. I think right now, I mean, I might go Adbert in the 7th, maybe Hughes in the 8th, and Leiter in the ninth, maybe. And those are the... I might-
0: do that. If Boxberger's healthy, maybe there. Adbert alzoli has plus stuff.
1: Yeah. He
0: just cannot hang his slider, which he has been known to do.
1: Right. And, and I'm, like you said, I'm not touching Michael Fulmer with a 40-foot pole in any of those high leverage situations. I, I looked at the stats today. The Cubs are the only team in the MLB with less saves than the A's. Or the only team that has less saves than them is the A's. They have six all year the A's only have four out of their 10 wins. So they, they have been really, really bad in those high leverage bullpen situations. I thought, you know, on opening day, you get your six shutout from Stroman and you went 7th with Keegan, 8th with Boxberger, and the ninth with Fulmer, and I thought, you know, maybe this could turn into a Tepera, Chafin, um, and Kimbrell situation, and it just was downhill ever since that first outing for a lot of those guys. So... It, it truly has been kind of a a blind puzzle piece back there
0: yeah no question about it and so I don't envy the manager having to figure that out that all said I don't agree with David at times when whether it's miles master or Bony or some of the lineup construction I just there's got to be a better way to do it
1: yeah, I was just going to say I had a few examples kind of written down. You said Miles Masebroni leading off, that was yesterday. That was one. Mike Talkman batting third last week was was puzzling to me. Um and then the one that has been sticking in my head all year was the day after Nelson Velasquez came up and hit the grand slam. He sat the next day and that that was extremely puzzling to me. So I I mean, I understand your sentiment that Managing that bullpen is no easy task, but how do you not roll out something close to your best nine available day after day, especially when you're struggling?
0: Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Now, you don't have your best nine right now because Cody Bellinger isn't there, and Mike Talkman's done a really good job. He drove in the only right yesterday with a sack fly. Mm-hmm. He's had a couple of big hits in big spots. He's just not the long-term answer, so get Cody Bellinger back here. You know, why does it take – four days to get Cody Bellinger on the injured list, and now he's not even back. Right. So none of that makes sense to me. Now, maybe if I was sitting in their offices, they have a valid reason for it. I just question it sometimes.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. And and if you told me at you know the end of May, Memorial Day, that the Cubs would have three starters with an ERA below 3.5, Swanson, Horner, and Happ have been as good as they were. They've got the second team second-best team on base percentage in the entire MLB, and Cody Bellinger was looking like his old self, I would not have guessed last place in the National League. So what, what do you think has gone wrong?
0: Well, I, we talked about the bullpen, and then you have had guys you know, not have big hits in big spots at times. You know, I love Dansby Swanson. I think he's a good player. I like Nico Horner. I think he's a good player. But you're trying to develop a first baseman who I think has a chance to be really good. He's just not there yet. You're not getting a ton of offense from your catcher. You didn't have say for two-and-a-half, three weeks to start the year, two-and-a-half weeks. Bellinger's gone down. So you've had Wisdom's hitting 220, whatever. Yes, he hit some home runs. Um, but th- this is – and then some of the starting pitching hasn't been great. You know, Wisniewski's down in Iowa for a reason. He's had his moments – but he also had his moments where he was terrible. Mm-hmm. So this is a big start tonight for Kyle Hendricks because everything I've been told by people I trust over there is that his rehab starts, he looked like the old Kyle. Ball's diving, and the changeup is a electric, and he's able to elevate his fastball a little bit better than he was because he's healthy at the top of the zone, and then he goes down and away, and he gets you. So this is a big start tonight against a quality opponent.
1: I agree, and if you get that rotation shaping up for midsummer of Stroman, Steele, Hendricks, and Smiley, and then use the fifth for Tyone if he starts pitching better, Wesneski if you see a little bit that you like in, in Iowa, or maybe even Assad or Killian coming back to the pros, that, that's a, a solid rotation, um, and, and I agree. It starts with, with Hendricks to kind of solidify that tonight.
0: Yeah, no question about it. I'm excited to watch that game.
1: And we we saw some of the guys offensively struggle out of the gates. Eric Hosmer obviously was designated for assignment. Luis Torrens um, wasn't great. Miles Mastroboni, Edwin Rios all end up getting sent back to Iowa. Um, Matt Mervis and Christopher Morell did come up. Morell has been sensational, cooled off a little bit, but nine home runs in his first 12 games, I want to say. And like you said, Mervis, they're letting him figure it out at that first base position. Um, I imagine we'll see Nick Madrigal and and Nelson Velasquez back on the team eventually at some point this summer. But are there any prospects you could see coming up and potentially helping this offense a little bit?
0: Not this season. Not not anything other than the ones you've mentioned. Pete Carr Armstrong's their number one prospect, and he's not there yet. He's not ready. He's a year away. Same deal with Kevin Alcantara. He's at least a year away. They have prospects in this system they're just not ready
1: yeah and I was I was looking at the the top 30 uh well obviously it's the preseason top 30 so it's not I guess up to date completely but there are a few guys on here with kind of expectation um ETAs of 2023 but we just haven't heard too too much about guys like Brennan Davis or um where's the other? One? Oh, and Casey is another one that they said potentially 2023. I know Casey's been hitting the ball well, but I think he's only in double A still. And, and Brennan Davis I believe is in triple A, but we haven't heard too much from them. Not to mention, you know, most of these high quality prospects are outfielders and that's the one position that kind of has a log gap in the pros.
0: Yeah. I don't think Cody Bellinger is going to be here next year. I don't. I no matter what he does, I do not see them paying him. You know, he's a Scott Boris client. That's A. B, I just don't see them paying him the type of dollars he's going to be looking for. This was his one year make good, prove it contract. Yep. He's going to be looking to get paid seven, eight, nine years at, you know, crazy money. And I, short of winning an MVP, I don't see the Cubs. In that ballpark because Carr Armstrong is their number one Prospect why do you have a number One prospect it's to get him here to get Him to play so what are you doing With Bellinger can't go to first You got Mervis over there You got three more years Left with Suzuki and Wright who I like a Lot mm-hmm. you just signed Ian Happ To a contract so What are you doing so I Don't I'd be surprised if Cody Bellinger's here
1: I'm with you, and I think that's, that's probably the right move long term because you've got so many outfielders. Pete Crow Armstrong, you mentioned Kevin Alcantara. I just said Owen Casey, Alexander Canario is another guy that plays outfield. I know he's rehabbing an injury, but those are guys that you know the organization expects to be a big part of the next winning Cubs team, and, and they're not going to be able to come up if they can't play center or left or right. And we know left and right is accounted for for at least the next couple of seasons.
0: Yep, they've got to get a third baseman in their system that they believe can come up and play. Not that Wisdom you know, doesn't provide some thump in your lineup, but, you know, he strikes out a ton. He's a 220-something hitter. They need their Nolan Arenado. They need somebody. They need Miguel Amaya to be their, I'm not going to call him Yachty Molina, but somebody who's every day, that's our guy, you know, four out of seven days he's going to be catching maybe DH another day and get a couple of days off. That's what they've got to have out of their system and then you can look and go, all right, there's a free agent pitcher. Let's go get that guy. I don't think they're going to land Shohei Otani. I do think mm-hmm. that they're going to be in the hunt, in the discussion. I think they'll make an offer. They tried to sign him to, coming over from Japan. So, could I see Shohei Ohtani? being top-of-the-rotation starter and then a DH, I could. Boy, oh, boy, that's going to get expensive.
1: It would. I think you're looking at at, to start at least $500 million.
0: Yeah, probably. Probably, unless he looks for a shorter deal. You know, if he said, I'll do six times 50 so I can go back into free agency again, I mean, I just I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to get one of those... Eight, nine, ten-year deals at somewhere between forty and fifty million a year.
1: Yeah, I I could I could see that as well. And I'm I'm looking ahead at some of the free agents for next season. Uh, the starting pitching class isn't fantastic. A lot of it will depend on who decides to opt out or stay in. Uh, but there are some big names on here. Obviously, Marcus Stroman and Kyle Hendricks are both here with options listed. Of course, Shohei Otani will be available. Um, Charlie Morton, um, Zach Granke is getting a little older. Sony Gray's having a really solid year, so there's going to be some names. Max Scherzer could also opt out, so we'll see. Too and
0: old, too old for me.
1: I I agree. Uh, Kershaw's another one. Rich Hill, I think they're a little bit too old, also. Um, but there's definitely some names out here to supplement that rotation, which I think at the very least needs to be done this off season.
0: Yeah, and they have the financial flexibility to be able to do just that. Let's see how this season finishes up. Right now, I'm not encouraged.
1: Yep, I was just gonna bring bring it to the next point here. Uh, obviously, you finish the home stand, I believe tomorrow against the Rays, and then you go on a long road trip um, starting in San Diego, out on the West Coast. Um, this team needs to start winning some ball games, or else you're going to be start thinking about selling at the deadline.
0: Oh, God. I mean, I'm already thinking about selling, but I don't know exactly what you have to sell. That's the question. Yeah. You're not getting anything. You're not trading Mervis. You're not trading Nico Horner. You're not trading Dansby Swanson. You're not getting anything for Patrick Wisdom. Oh, Power bat, somebody might go, here. here's a Class A prospect. Whatever. Not trading happy, got a no-trade clause. Mm -hmm. Bellinger? Better get him healthy. He's not even playing right now. So... Is somebody going to, with a rental, can't give him a qualifying offer? Are you going to get much for him? Doubtful. You're not trading Suzuki. He has a no-trade clause. Stroman? Okay, well, if you take him out of the rotation, you need more pitching, not less. You're not trading Justin Steele. You're not trading Kyle Hendricks. You're not trading Hayden Wisniewski. Even if you were, you're not getting a lot. So there really isn't a ton for them to move here
1: right the problem
0: I w- is they're just not playing well
1: yeah i was looking at the the roster and the two names i circled was cody bellinger and marcus stroman obviously cody bellinger um, needs to get healthy before that's even a thought and stroman said the other day he would rather be extended than be traded so maybe maybe that's the direction um they decide to go in but the last couple of years selling has been including i believe eight or nine relievers i counted it up this morning um Obviously, you had the the Kimbrell year with Kimbrell, Chafin, and Tapera all gone last year. Efros, um, David Robertson, Michael Givens, and Chris Martin. So that's seven guys right there. You look at the bullpen this year. There's next to nothing that anybody would be wanting. You're picking from scraps there. Um, and then you mentioned all the other no trade clauses or beginning of contracts around the diamond. Um, and the rest of the team is pretty much prospects. You're not going to trade Morrell. You're not going to trade Mervis. Um, so it's Bellinger and Strowman, and you laid out why those two probably don't make a lot of sense. So if you don't figure it out, you might just be looking at treading water until this season ends.
0: Yeah, they'll have somebody will give you something for a reliever that, oh, I didn't see that one come like last year. I didn't see Efros getting traded for a starter that you had five to six years of control on. That was a smart, astute trade. Now the kid has to pitch well. But I just think they're in a really tough spot right now. They,
1: they are th-
0: buy a stock, buy the Cubs because they're they're gonna get better. But right now, right now it's a little stagnant.
1: I agree. And we've seen this team, um, in the last kind of era of success struggle to keep talent in town. You know, a lot of guys ended up going to free agency or getting traded, obviously. Now looking back on it, hindsight's 2020. A lot of that looked like the right decision. Chris Bryant, Javier Baez haven't been the same players that they once were. Rizzo, Schwarber, maybe you'd rather have those guys still on the team. But either way, see what
0: Schwarber's hitting
1: this year. It's been ugly.
0: Hitting 168. (laughs) I called. He's a great guy. Yeah. He's got tremendous power. I call him a beer league softball player. At one point, mm-hmm. that's what he's playing like right now.
1: Yeah, the you only the only thing he needs guy is to hits
0: a ball mile and strikes out a lot.
1: Yeah, it's it's wisdom. It's wisdom from the left side of the plate for the most part. Um, Correct, and they they have that. You don't need more of that in the lineup. Um, I remember a few years ago, I was really a big proponent on Castiano staying in town. He struggled for a few years. He's been better this year, um, but. At the end of the day, this, this kind of core, they've done a much better job of you know, locking them up with Hap and Horner. And I think they would like Stroman to be a part of that. Do you think they kind of switch their thoughts on negotiations during the season and get something done with him?
0: Uh, I think they've already started to have some discussions. The question is, he's on the other side of 30. How many years have you giving this guy? Yeah, I'm not giving him a five-year deal. I'm not giving him a four-year deal.
1: I was going to say Maybe three would be my sweet million spot. a year right now. So how much
0: more does he want? Does he want $35 million a year? I'm not giving him $35 million a year for three and four years. I'm just not. So it's a tough situation they're in. I like him a lot. And would I extend him two years at 60? Yeah, I would. Beyond that is a stretch.
1: Would you do three for 80?
0: Three for eighty. Probably I would. I think probably, that's what yeah. I
1: was thinking. Yeah. I would I would do that, I think. Um I don't know if Marcus would take that, especially with how well he's been pitching, but I would do that.
0: Yeah, I probably would too. But we'll see what happens, man.
1: Yes, sir. And uh my last question for you, I think Vegas had the, the Cubs odds at the beginning of the season, or they're over under, I believe it was seventy eight. Right now they're twenty three and thirty. Where do you see that finishing up on? What's your prediction for their record? I said they'd be
0: eighty-two and eighty, but I also didn't think they would go thirty days as the worst team in the National (laughs) League and be one of the 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 worst team as of before yesterday's game. That has surprised me, Mm -hmm. but I still think they have a little bit of a run coming in them. So I'm going to say the Cubs finish somewhere between seventy-eight and eighty-two wins.
1: All righty, I like that. It it. It means better baseball than what we've been seeing, which I, I can't wait for.
0: I completely agree. They've got to navigate this next tough span, the Rays and the Padres, and then we'll see.
1: We certainly will. Well, Cap, thank you for coming on the show. I always love uh, picking your brain about the Cubs. There's nobody better.
0: Appreciate you greatly. Best of luck to you. It's an honor to be on with you.
1: Thanks, Cap. That'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Corner. Once again, I'm Anthony Pasquale. Dave Kaplan joined us on this show And as always, thank you all for coming to the Cubs Corner.